Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. We're a pioneering church and we're in a season of pioneering. And uh, this means as a whole, as a church, we're, we're pioneering something new that the city of Salt Lake is not ready for. They're kind of like, whoa, what just happened? I was comfortable, things are good. And then all of a sudden, Awaken came to Salt Lake City and it's rattling stuff up. What's happening? This isn't right. So yeah, we're pioneers as a church. We're called to point and lead people to Jesus, to reveal Jesus to people. And that's uh, been happening. And whenever Jesus is revealed, miracles happen. We've been experiencing an abundance of miracles, praise God, lately. Every service, there's been something going on. And these testimonies that come in, um, when you serve, you get to have, you know, the honor of getting the stories firsthand. Front row seat and... I'm in awe, I'm in wonder and in awe of the goodness of God. Families, you know, being reunited. There's, uh, you know, healings that are happening, specific miracles for people, Um, things that they've been diagnosed with that are incurable and they're, they're doing awesome. They're living life. They don't have to walk around with that, uh, that disease or diagnosis that the doctor gave them anymore. And life is amazing. There's abundance here. And that happens whenever Jesus is revealed. And so we're going to continue to see this more and more and more, um, especially in Salt Lake City. God's doing a whole, he's turning the grounds. He's making, he's turning this place right side up. Um, he's not happy with how his name has been used here or, and honored here. It's been dishonored. And so we are bringing honor to who he is, to his name. And miracles are breaking out, not only in this place, but people are praying for their family members. And they're seeing their family members get healed because they have a revelation of who Jesus is and what he does. And so you can pray. You don't have to be right here in this room, but outside of these walls, God is doing a thing. It's out in the streets. So that's us as a church. You might be coming in and, uh, you know, it's pioneering time for your your own personal life, for your family. This could be a new thing that, you know, my family, generations past, or you might not know generations past, but at least with your parents, the way that you're choosing to live now is a completely new way that anyone's ever lived in your family. So you're pioneering something new for your family. And when you're pioneering something, it's taking you from one place to another. That's new ground, new territory. And you're paving a new way to where others can then follow. So you're called to lead. You're called to go into the unknown. You're called to be uncomfortable. You're not called to settle. You're called to press in. You're called to have a warrior spirit. What does a pioneer look like? A person who has passion like no other. Are you passionate? Do you have a warrior heart? Are you willing to go into the unknown? Are you willing to fight for something that's bigger than yourself? 
That's what a pioneer is. That's a pioneering spirit. You're not called to conform, but to transform your city and your family, your home, the people around you. A pioneer is an agent of change. And so that's where we're at right now as a church and individually that we are called to pioneer. And when you're called to pioneer, there's movement that's happening right now too. And I believe that as a church, we are on a brink of a breakthrough. And it's exciting because you can literally see the wheels are turning, there's movement. And, uh, and we're heading towards something with massive breakthrough. And you know, like I said before, Salt Lake City is like, what is happening? Um, but with that, with the breakthrough, with the pioneering, uh, spirited people that we are, there might be, not that there might be, there will be, Satan will do his best work to try to distract you from the mission that God has set you to. You're called to be an agent of change in your family. He's going to do whatever it takes to try to get you to go back to the comfortable, Whatever it takes to, uh, you know, he'll remind you of your past. He'll remind you of who your parents are. That's who you come from are your parents. You don't, you know, church is a new thing for you. Don't, do you, you really are this person. You come from this past. That's who you are. So certain things will try to come in to try to break you. But you're meant for breakthrough. So don't let that thing break you. But let's press in for breakthrough. We are pioneers. And so the title of my message this morning is Pioneering Pitfalls. Pioneering Pitfalls. I don't have to sell you guys that you're a pioneer this morning. You already are. <laughs> when I'm reading all these things off about your passion, about fighting for something bigger, a warrior heart, I feel like, you know, 90% of this room is like, that's who I am. You know, like you're ready to roar. <laughs> you're ready to go for it. You don't care where you're at. You're like, you know, you're ready. But to be aware of pitfalls that will come. And pitfalls are traps. When, you, when you're trying to go from one place to another, there'll be traps that are set to try to trip you up and to try to set you back. And so that's what I want to bring to our attention this morning are those pitfalls so that we're not going to get trapped or set back. Matthew 5, 13 through 16 says this. Oh, I need to catch my breath. It's the passion. You are the salt of the earth. This is who you are. If you don't know who you are, this is who you are. You are the salt of the earth. I don't care what your parents tell you, what your bad business partners have told you. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. That's who you are. You're the soul of the earth. You're the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. So don't hide. Shine your light. Um, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. 
Amen. That's who you are. That's who we are called to be. That's how we are pioneers in this city, by pointing people to Jesus, revealing people to him. And we're going to see more miracles. But wisdom looks ahead. So even though we know who we are, we have our identity, wisdom looks ahead. So we need to turn to wisdom during these times and not fall in the traps of the pitfalls and to sabotage your journey. Okay, Israel. I think I bring this up a lot, but I feel like we really relate to these people. (laughs) Israel was a whole nation, and it was a whole nation that was brought out of Egypt, out of slavery, into this unknown promised land. It's not like they, you know, had a ticket, this round trip ticket to go see the promised land. It's like, hmm, yeah, this is pretty good. I like it. Yeah, okay, we're going to start this journey. They had no idea what the promised land was. They're pioneers, and it's an entire nation coming out of slavery, coming out of one mindset, one way that they were doing things, you know, they were eating this certain type of food, and and now they're eating this manna from the ground, you know, they used to drink out of probably awesome Egyptian goblets, now they're drinking out of this rock that suddenly burst open, you know, everything seems different, everything seems unknown. And as this nation was heading out into the promised land, God gave them direction and insights what to watch out for. He's imparting wisdom to these people. And what I love about the New Testament is in 1 Corinthians 10, it actually uh, goes through and talks quickly about this, uh, this pioneering journey that the Israelites went on. And it gives you a, a, um, a clear picture of what is going on, and uh, so I just love our Bible. Kind of a side note, but I love that in the New Testament, we don't just negate the old, but we give clarity because God comes to fulfill his word that was throughout all the Old Testament, throughout all generations. So we're going to do this quickly, and what this uh, direction and insight was This is where you're going to pray for me. It's the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments. And in 21 minutes, I'm going to give you a whole outline of the Ten Commandments. Here we go. So let's read this. I don't have the full thing. So I'm going to read from Big Bible. We're going to read the whole thing. We're doing Exodus 21 through 17. So move quickly, team, with me. Message version. Awesome. God spoke all these words. I am God, your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of a life of slavery. No other gods, only me. No carved gods of any size, shape, or form, or anything, whatever, whether of things that fly or walk or swim. Don't bow down to them and don't serve them because I am God, your God, and I am most a most jealous God, punishing the children for any sins their parents pass on to them, to the third, and yes, even to the fourth generation of those who hate me. Ooh, idols he hates. They feel like if you do that, you hate me. But I am unswervingly loyal to the thousands who love me and keep my commandments. No, using the name of God, your God, in curses or silly banter, God won't put up with the irreverent use of his name. 
Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Work six days and do everything you need to do. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to God, your God. Don't do any work. Not you, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your servant, nor your maid, nor your animals. Not even the foreign guests visiting in your town. For in six days, God made heaven, earth, and sea, and everything in them. He rested on the seventh day. Therefore, God blessed the seventh day. He set it apart as a holy day. Honor your father and mother so that you live... so that you'll live a long time in the land that God, your God is giving you. No murder, (laughs) no adultery, no stealing, no lies about your neighbor, no lusting after your neighbor's house or wife or servant or maid or ox or donkey. Don't set your heart on anything that is your neighbor's. All right. So in all of these 10 commandments, here lies the hidden traps that will come out, come out at you. As the Israelites were going from one place to another, Moses went up to this mountain to get some insight, some vision, you know, a, an encounter with God that he was gonna bring back to the people. And when the people, when the vision left them, the people essentially perished. They started to make all these idols, this idol off of a, of a cow, and then started dancing, praising this cow. So they lost sight of what was going on. They stopped being in awe and wonder of God that, uh, you know, he actually took them out of slavery, out of Egypt. They passed through uh, the, the Red Sea, right, into the waters. That's like baptism. He saved them from the slavery, from bondage. So not only did they get saved and baptized, but they got, uh, they all became united as one. When they're eating the mammon, the mammon, the bread, the bread of God, sounds like communion, right? When we take communion, it's saying, God, we unify ourselves with you. You're no longer going to be fragmented in our heart, but we are unified with you. We give you everything and we're all as one, you know, in this together. One vision, one group of people. Okay, so now I'm going to do the uh, Pastor Lorenny. What is this? Something. Twist on all my points. Because what's really helpful, sometimes we read things like ox and donkey, and you can be like, what is this even saying? You know, I give up. I don't, I don't have an ox. I don't have a donkey. Thank you, Pastor Tyson. Oh, Pastor, Yeah. Um, sounds good. Um, so to really help with, okay, identifying, putting a mirror in ourselves to see, do we have this inside of me? We all fall short to the glory of God. No one's perfect, but God, if we bring it to God, then we're going to see amazing things happen and we're not going to get trapped by the enemy. Okay. Point number one in Jesus name. Uh, Point number one, let's just bring up the point. I'm excited about this point. Yeah, I guess, see, the reason why I like this point is because I tried to give them a super long point one title, and I wanted to see what they'd do for the screen. Anyway, my point number one is thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Thou shalt. If you think of the word shalt, I got a little caught up in it because I thought it was thou, you shall not. But it's actually like a Bragelina term, you know, to me. It actually means shall. But when I say shalt, it's like a, I'm going to do a shall with a shout. Thou shalt. 
<laughs> so I'm going to shout it out with a shell. So thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Okay, so that is putting, there's no other gods before me. That's my uh, Loren version. And so in order to have no other gods before God, my question to you is, do you have a back door for Jesus? And that's how you might detect. Do I have a back door? If I'm around a party with friends who, you know, they're, they kind of represent my old life, love them, they're, you know, brother or sister to me, but I have this new life and I'm now around them and they start criticizing that I'm going to church and, oh, church, what? <laughs> you know, they start, you know, just running their mouth about stuff. Do you have a back door for Jesus? And you, will you say, okay, Jesus, you're right. You know, these are my, these are my peeps. Um, the alley, the door to the alley is back here. I'm just going to put you in the alley until I'm done. And then, and then I'll invite you back into my world. You can hop in my car. I'll go in the alley and pick you up. Um, so is Jesus in your alley? <laughs> Uh, this is a, a test with your certain peer groups. So that's where you'll see it come up. And really what that means is do you, do you fear God over man? Or do you let the fear of man overtake you? Do they become your God? So whatever they say, no matter what, you know, is it in the filter that, no, I'm putting, God is the person I serve, not you. I'm not serving you. I think something that's really cool that helped me with this, and this is just a fortunate thing. I'm very, I feel very blessed, very fortunate. In my uh, high school time, we had this group of people. It was almost like a group of 12, like the 12 disciples. And we would go through, and we had our Bible to church. We were those people. And, um, but we were cool too, don't worry. We're still cool. And uh, cool with the people. We're all, you know, into different sports, you know, friends and cheerleader squads, whatever. But yeah, like, on, like doing all the normal stuff, we'd also carry our Bible to science class. And I would be, you know, checked out. I don't understand science. And so I would read, like I read the whole book of James one time in my science class. I mean, not like I recommend it, but that we were just hardcore. We're pioneers, okay, for our high school. We're like, we were passionate. We did not even care. People would say Jesus freak in the nice way, you know, like it was actually nice criticism and you would be endearing to them. Like, oh, thank you, we are, you know. And, uh, but because of that tribe, it kept me grounded throughout, throughout college and throughout, uh, you know, when I'm going to LA on my little trip and wherever I go, I remember that tribe that was my solid tribe of people who were going after one thing all together, and it was Jesus, only Jesus. And so that's why I say I'm fortunate, because I know that that's not the typical story with everyone, but who is your tribe? If you don't have that same story, then find your tribe. You need a new tribe. And uh, you can still hang out. If you have your solid tribe core, then you're able to talk to whoever, you know, different, opposite, believing beliefs, and it won't shake you because you got your core. And so find your tribe, love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and with all your strength. Okay, two, thou shalt not idolize your Pinterest board. <laughs> When it says no other idols before me, 
That's how I'd like to present this to you. Don't idolize your Pinterest board. There's so many people, so many friends of mine, it's typical, you know, you'll get together with the New Year's party and you're gonna do your vision board together. And you know, I might go on Pinterest, I might go get some magazines, do a little cutout, you know, of this awesome house. Maybe I'll add a horse in there because I have now a new, I have this vision of me riding a horse. And uh, so you're doing all these things, oh, this, this car or, or whatever it is, this dream man, all these things, you're doing this cutout and you're putting it all together. Okay, now having a vision for your life, the God-given vision is very needed and necessary. And in fact, I heard, I heard a study recently and it came out of Harvard, um, Right, it was a Harvard article that if you if you have it um, if you're able to put it in your mind that you're visualizing certain things, they did a study between the people who are only visualizing and then another group of people. It was actually in regards to a piano piano people who were actually playing the piano, playing these songs. This other group of people were just visualizing playing the piano and the songs, but they didn't they never put their fingers to work. And uh, what happened, the outcome of that is that uh, there wasn't, I believe there wasn't a difference. Yeah, no difference at all between the two groups. So it's important to have a vision. If you have the vision, put it in your head, you know, visualize this is where I'm meant to be and meant to go. And you don't even have to put, you know, play the instrument. You could just visualize and then, oh my gosh, you get the instrument and then you are, you're, you're golden, you're on your way. And so it's important to have a, a vision, but when you idolize your vision, that's when it becomes a problem. A lot of people, I'm, I'm kind of on this point because uh, I feel like it, it, it steals away from people, um, is, is, are these idols. And um, it takes away your priority with God. So say for example, um, you know, like you wanna prove yourself, maybe you're a young married couple and you wanna prove yourself to your parents. Maybe you come from a wealthy parent or side, whatever. And you're trying to, you know, this is something new and you're on fire for Jesus. And so, you know, that might be new in your family too. And so now you have this uh, pressure that you put on yourself to try to prove yourself like, no, I promise Jesus is awesome and he's doing a thing in my world. And now I need to prove to you that, you know, I'm also totally secure and, you know, I got money is a thing. I'm, you know, my resume is building up like, see, it's a, it's a proving. I don't know if I'm, if you guys are following me or not. Um, but if you keep that as an idol, as a priority, um, before Jesus and serving him with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, then that's what an idol becomes. It becomes that thing that you must and you have to, and your eyes are fixated on it. That, uh, so it becomes an idol. I hope I explained that well. You're possessed by your possessions is what it is and the possessions that you dream about. Possessions, title, status are all idols of today. So idols will never be able to fix your identity, live up to your trust or, or live up to your trust in its provision. If you have idols, God literally uh, compares you putting your trust in idols to hating him, just like what we're reading. So let's melt all the idols and throw them out. All right, point number three, thou shalt not use God's name to get your way. 
<laughs> that's my take of don't use God's name in vain. You shouldn't use God's name to get your way. The song, You're So Vain, you probably think this song is about you. So, you know, we, we come to church and we start hearing, you know, God, Jesus, and then we, we start thinking, okay, yeah, um, hey, you awesome looking pretty girl, if I'm a boy, you know. Uh, hey, God told me we should, we should be dating. <laughs> God said. And then, you know, it's like, oh, God said this? And okay. And so then you start dating. And then three months later, it's like, eh, I, don't, I don't think you're the right one. You know what? God said we need to break up. <laughs> he said... That is something where you're using God's name carelessly. So don't use his name carelessly. God told him, God told me, we're supposed to get married. We need to break up. <laughs> so what you're doing is you're manipulating people to get your way by saying God said this. It's all about your heart. If you believe God said something, you know, I'm not the one to judge your heart. God is. He sees your heart. So when we say things, when we, when we speak certain things, it comes out of the purity of your heart. But it starts getting muddied and people can tell, you know, because they have the Holy Spirit living inside of them too, that uh, maybe that was a little bit true, but then, I don't know, it feels weird. It feels like you're, you're trying to get me to do something. Uh, it's weird. And so, uh, shall not use God's name in, to get your way. All right, very good. I've, I've hurt many people, many boyfriends in the past by doing this too. So me. forgive me. <laughs> but my ex-boyfriends, are I feel bad for them. Like it, I was a weird person. I gave one of my ex-boyfriends a, a women's Bible. Who does that? And I, you know, and then I was like, no, God said we need to break up. And then he's left with this women's Bible. I'm like, I'm praying he gets saved. You know, like he's probably, if he, I don't know, giving me the bird somewhere. Um, all right. Don't use it carelessly. Good. We're having fun. Okay. Another point. Thou shalt not slay all day, every day. Have you heard that term? Slay all day, every day. And I so want to pick that. I love that. Because again, as we're pioneers, we're passionate people. We are warriors. We are the people that no matter what the cost, I can, you know, like we're going to go for it. We're going to save this nation and, and my feet, you know, all this stuff. I'm ready to slay all day, all, you know, every day, all day. Okay, but what about the commandment that says, uh, that you should keep the Sabbath day holy. What a Sabbath day is, is actually about rest. You know, God was talking about, I made the whole universe in, in six days. Um, you know, like he knows a little more than we do. And, and then I chose on the seventh day to rest. Okay, so what does this mean? This means rest. You must rest. And here's another really good point. God work, wants to work with you, not just for you. He wants to work with you, not just for you. So when we have these amazing business endeavors that we know God has, has given us, he's given us purpose and a destiny, a call, we're ready to go, you know, slay it all day, every day. 
Do we put our trust in God? Do we put the business continually in God's hands? And do we allow him to work with us? Not just God is a genie in a bottle. Can you please come? And you know, like now's the time. And do you see this contract? You know, now, and so you're trying to, you know, invite him in at these awkward times, you know, where he should be working with you the whole time. And you're allowed to rest because you can actually believe, no, God, you are working, you're partnering with him. And the seventh day, you don't have to do anything. You're just called to rest. This is, this is a hard thing sometimes for me to work through because I will, I'll get going. Like when I take that certain test that everybody knows about, I forget what it's called, like a Myers-Briggs or something, strength finders, you know, like what pops up? Achiever, maximizer, strategist, competitive, and then something else. Like, I don't even know, developer. And so I'm like this, yeah, awesome type red A person, you know, like I'm here to dominate. And so, you know, I really need to figure out how to rest because I will put myself, you know, anyway, it's a whole thing. I got a facial recently and they literally accused me of having ADHD. I was like, and that should be a thing. Thou shalt not accuse one another of ADHD. <laughs> write it down it's not even on a slide but do it for yourself because I was sitting there trying to get a facial trying to rest you know like I'm here I'm living my life in awesome snow pine lodge because it's awesome it's cool I love the decorations and so I'm sitting down there in the spa and then my eyes are twitching you know I think it's because you like like wind comes at you very harshly as you're getting a facial and so she's like you need to calm down you need to calm and then she's trying to put this hot towel over my eyes, you know, and then my eyes are still like twitching. She can see I'm twitching because I'm thinking in my head, like, what is going on? And then she's calling me ADHD. So they're like really going hard, you know? And so I, I tried. And so you have to do things to try whatever you can to rest. And no, I don't have ADHD. I'm just a maximizer, a strategizer. I'm doing a lot of awesome things, okay? Facial girl. Oh. Okay, slay all day, every day, do it all day, do it six days, not seven. Okay, so another point. See, pray, pray, pray. A minute and 52 seconds left. Thou shalt, thou shalt deal with your mommy and daddy issues. That's how to describe do you honor your father and your mother? Deal with your mommy and daddy issues, forgive them for their mistakes. Stop blaming them because of my upbringing, you know, because of them, blah, 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 blah. Honor them because they are your parents. Honor them. Forgive. It's simple. Just do it. Stop defining yourself by what your parents did or didn't do. Decide what your family values are going to be based on God's word. So redefine your family values, write them all down. This is where you can go, you know, Pinterest board status. This is where you're allowed, you know, get, go on Pinterest or whatever it is, Etsy. They'll, they'll tell you, write down your vision board. There's, they'll send it to you on a nice little wooden plaque. You can put it up in your kitchen and you see it all the time. And so anyway, you can redefine your family values, but please honor your father and mother. Get them an awesome gift this Christmas. Do something amazing. Okay, thou shalt not be a hater. Hate is gonna hate, hate. You shouldn't be a hater. That's my rendition of 
adultery, because, or sorry, 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 murder, because Jesus says in the New Testament that, uh, that you're actually committing murder in your heart by, what did I just say? By hating, by drinking the haterade. So don't drink the haterade, um, you know, like in general, do you tear people down? Are you actively not wanting your peers to succeed? You're, you're drinking the haterade. For marriages, you know, you're drinking the haterade with those four horsemen. I love that those four horsemen have been brought up lately. In church, do you stonewall? That's a silent treatment. Do you have contempt, criticism, defensiveness by putting yourself against your spouse and in a position to build hate, not love? So just don't be a hater. Thou shalt not be a hater, sorry. Okay, uh, thou shalt let your yes be yes and your no be no. That is my rendition of uh, adultery. <laughs> adultery. So sometimes, you know, plain and simple, we can tell you just don't, don't do it. Like adultery is bad. Stop it, you know, <laughs> and then I'll be good. But then below the surface, we need to ask ourselves, is our yes, yes, and our no, no. The whole thing about adultery is breaking promises, breaking vows, breaking contracts that you've signed. Your yes, yes, and your no, no. Plain, simple, straightforward. You need to stick to your promise. And uh, be willing to put your work into the yes. We want life to be so easy. We want to be loved, you know, we want all these things. But are you willing to put your own work into things? So if you're telling your spouse that, you know, I'm committed, we're going to do date nights every week, then stay committed. Let your yes be yes, your no be no. If you have no money, still do a date night, you know, like make up something really fun to do. And uh, your yes, yes, no, no. If you want to say, you know, if you're telling each other you need to go to counseling, then do it. Just do it. Another point, thou shalt not be entitled. Don't be entitled. And that is my little spin on not stealing. So if you steal something, you're trying to take something from someone that's not yours, right? That's what stealing is. It's not yours, but people who are entitled it doesn't matter if you're rich or you're poor. If you're entitled, you know, as a poor person, I would think, well, I'm poor, they're rich, and I'm gonna take from them. Why? Because I'm entitled. They have more than me, and I, I'm gonna take it. So they're stealing something that isn't, your, isn't theirs. Or if you're a rich person, you can be entitled, and you can take something that actually isn't yours. It doesn't have to be in the form of money. It can be something, something else, but, but you are trying, or you know, you, you love, you know, trying to steal money somehow, you know? It doesn't matter what status you're at. Don't steal. Don't be entitled. Entitlement won't change based off of how much you have. Uh, the Bible says it's a terrible thing when a slave becomes a king. And it's because they, ha it's because they have a victim mindset. And victims are entitled. So don't live as a victim to your circumstance. Don't live entitled. Stop taking things that aren't yours. Stop stealing. Thou shalt not be entitled. Thou shalt not half truth. That means don't lie. We, we get the point of not lying, but we like to also do some half truths 
or continue to hide some things. That's also lying, especially in marriages, that something can be going on and we think like, "Mm, you know, I'm gonna hide this part, keep it in the dark, but all things come to light. So thou shalt not have truth. Thou shalt not think the grass is greener on the other side. That is the final point that I have on do not covet. Don't covet, don't think that the grass is greener on the other side. Let's bring up Exodus 20, 17 again. It talks about the donkey. (laughs) All right. So no lusting after your neighbor's house. So somebody you think has a better house than you, don't lust, don't fall in that pitfall, don't fall in that trap. God's taking you somewhere. You're gonna get the amazing house, don't worry. Don't lust. Don't lust over your neighbor's wife or husband, wanting to trade in your spouse for a new one. Don't do it. Thinking the grass is greener on the other side. Don't lust after your neighbor's servant or maid. So I would take that as uh, people that you hire, servants or maids. So, you know, say that there's an amazing business and you're in Pathfinders and you look at their team and you're like, man, their team just loves them so much. They do whatever they say and they stick to their word in my team, my team. You know, you go on this whole rant and start to covet and, and wish that you had something better. The, the grass is green on the other side, but you don't understand the amount of times that it took the effort in that person person's world to, you know, pour out vision and culture continually to their team where the times were tough. You don't see the behind the scenes and, uh, or ox or donkey. How do you figure that out. So ox in those times, they would be the ones plowing the field. So the field was where they would get money. It was their business. So I would say, don't covet their business for the ox. And for the donkey, the donkey carries around things for you from one place to another. So I would say that the donkey is your car. (laughs) So don't lust after another person's car. You can appreciate it and do all these things. Don't lust. Don't set your heart on anything that is your neighbor's. All right, very good. Um, How do you know if you're operating in this? Is when somebody else has something that you've been really wanting, praying, pressing in for, um, how do you respond? Do you respond in celebration when that person gets the very thing that you want? Or do you respond with jealousy and hurt that, man, it didn't happen for me. And so I would say then, watch out for that trap of envy, of coveting. I also feel too that when you're a pioneer, like you are in this room and you're going from one place to another and you're about to be in breakthrough. So you're about to be in the promised land. Uh, the peer group that you're around, you know, they might, you might have this, a person of envy around you because God has changed you. He's transformed you. He's taken you from one place to another, not just physically with, with possibly with possessions, but, or with your business, but also he's, he's, he's done something new from the inside out that only he can do. 
And so then there might be some people that were in your world that has that spirit of envy around them and uh, towards you. And so you're about ready to get your breakthrough, but this is also a trap to try to set you back if you get distracted by, you know, wanting to cater to your friend's enviousness and uh, covetness towards you. And, um, and so it's a thing to watch out for. Um, I have a whole paragraph on this, but... So they're no longer a friend of yours, but in their eyes, they're a competitor of yours. You now become a competitor. So this can distract you and hold you back where God is taking you, but be mindful to continue to press forward, to trust God, to get people around you who sharpen you in your new season. When, you, when you're heading into breakthrough, you don't have time to cater to people's envy. Continue to press on and keep your eyes on Jesus. He cares about them more than you do. So keep your eyes on that and don't be distracted by people saying, man, well, I have a better gifting in speaking than she does. I can hear God better than they do. How come they're in that role or that position or a leader? What, now they got dubbed pastor? Do you not know who I am? You know, like, do you not see how many followers I have on Instagram? Hello, this is my, this is my thing. Like, can someone, you know, no. Don't have that spirit of envy. I don't care how good you are. If you have that envy spirit in you, it is going to set you back. So it's actually gonna delay what God is doing, what he's trying to get you to. So let the Ten Commandments, they're meant to be a mirror, a mirror that we can look at to see our heart, to uh, a reflection of our heart. So if something's off, that we can actually invite Jesus into our world and to start shifting them. We all fall short, but Jesus is here to heal, deal, and reveal his goodness and his grace to you. Amen. So don't get stuck, don't get settled. God has so much for you. So why don't we all stand right now as we come to a close and let's open up our hearts. So go ahead and put your hands out. You're talking to God right now. You're not trying to be a people pleaser and do what I say, but you're talking to God. And this is an act of opening our hearts to God and telling him, that God, I trust you. So I'm gonna pray right now, let's all pray. God, we open our hearts to you right now. God, with these being uh, guidelines, God, you have such great things for all of us individually and as a church and as a city of Salt Lake, you have great plans for Salt Lake City. And God, we're here and we're saying yes to use me. Yes, I am a pioneer. Yes, I am signing up. That no matter how good or bad the situation looks, I am saying yes. And God, with these traps that you tell me that I need to watch out for, God, examine my heart, reveal to me things that are truly getting getting me caught up. And I, I could be endangered, I could be underneath this trap. And now I can see I'm yelling for help, someone come take me out of this trap. And God, you can do that today. That it's us simply giving these things over to you. That you are sent 
Jesus as a rescue mission for us. We all fall short, but God, you have the best interest in us. You love us. You can't wait for the next thing that you have planned for us. And God, you hate delays. You want this thing more than we do. And God, we give you our spirit again, our trust again, our ways to you. We commit our ways to you again. And I thank you for turning our lives around and transforming us, our families, and this amazing great city in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.